Hello, trainers and Pokemon alike. Welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, a Pokemon anime podcast that uh, just goes through the Pokemon anime from start to finish, chronicling Ash's journey, pulling life lessons where perhaps none were ever intended. But even though we take uh, these silly things super seriously, we're still not that serious. And thank goodness, because the world is still on fire, last I checked. So today we're just going to have some Pokemon fun. And at this point in uh, our podcasting Pokemon journey, we are on Advanced Generation number 65, Gulpin' It Down. And since I have no housekeeping to take care of today, let's jump right into this recap. So as with the last episode, we are still on our way to Petalburg City. Ash is chomping at the bit for his next gym battle against Norman the gym leader, who is also Max and May's dad, if you may remember, and Max is interjecting every time Ash brings it up, like, don't forget how strong my dad is, like, he really doesn't think anybody can beat Norman. I love that they're seeding this early, it just makes the upcoming payoff very realistic and satisfying, (sighs) but that's foreshadowing. We'll deal with it later, some other episode. I I can't wait. But to the episode we're currently watching, the kids are at a waterside town on a shady bank having a picnic lunch and talking about someone else's food, not Brock's. Because yes, May has a single track mind. First time home in months, she's like, what should I eat first? Their mom is a good cook, the best in the world, they think, which is quite the thing to say when Brock is right there slaving over your lunch. But May and Max just wax rhapsodic about it, and to be fair, no matter what cuisine we encounter in the world, even if it's Brock's cooking, our parents' cooking is always the best. Can't fault the kids too much here. But the hypothetical mom food in the bush is not of equal worth to the Brock food in the hand. So when a Pokemon wanders into the scene and eats all the sandwiches, everyone is a bit miffed. The Pokemon in question is a Gulpin. According to the Pokedex, it's a green, rotund little thing that's all mouth and makes the cutest noises. But before the kids can do anything with this information, Officer Jenny comes on over the town speakers asking everyone to evacuate. There's some kind of emergency. Now, according to stats on the internet, this is the only appearance of Officer Jenny in in the Advanced Challenge season. Not all of Advanced Generation, just this particular season. I'm not entirely sure if that's true or not. It's... the internet says it. It must be true. So, I'll have to... I'll have to keep track. Do we just... do we really not see that much of Officer Jenny? She's so cool. But it is the last episode where Lee Quick provides the voice for Officer Jenny, which makes me very sad. She just has a very 
cool and unique voice. Like there's just a, a quality to it that's very specific to her and it's hard to imitate. Not that other voices of Officer Jenny haven't been equally as as good at the job and, and uniquely themselves. It's just, again, when you're talking voice acting and acting in general, like you're always looking for that little special something that makes somebody stand out from the crowd. And yeah, Lee Quick has a little something to her voice as Officer Jenny that is just, again, just very uniquely her. So the ghost town has to evacuate, and this town knows the drill. They disappear like immediately. It's a total ghost town. The problem is Ash and his friends are not locals. They do not know the drill. They don't know where they're supposed to evacuate to. So they're just wandering around aimlessly until a scream breaks out, and Ash is like, oh, thank you, I know what to do now. Goes all hero mode. The team finds a purple-haired woman crouched in the corner of a shop, and she's cowering from a whole swarm of those green gulpin. They're chowing down on all the food on the shelves. You'd think this was an easy problem to mitigate, like, Ash is a Pokemon trainer. These are Pokemon. He can have one of his Pokemon battle to get the gulpin out of there, and then figure the situation out from there. But oh no. The gulpin all dogpile on Pikachu. Uh, numbers outweigh strength, I think, in this situation um turns out suffocate is super effective so ash has to dig through the gulpin picking up and chucking them away like they're bags of laundry or whatever he digs out pikachu and pikachu has basically fainted so these gulpin are not to be underestimated and they keep pouring in from the air vents like this is an insane amount of pokemon here like they easily beat the maximum occupancy at least a hundred, maybe multiple hundreds? Who who knows for sure because continuity. <laughs> this show has never heard of it, but it's a lot. It's nuts. The kids are getting buried in Pokemon. Like, forget whether or not the Gulpin plan to attack. It's like the Tribbles on Star Trek. They're finally saved when Officer Jenny blows her whistle. Brock knows from the sound that his angel from on high is here to save them. Jenny and her Tangela show up on the scene, and Tangela uses Vine Whip. Those two are a bit more experienced dealing with these Gulpin. They know not to even bother attacking. Tangela just breaks through the horde with Vine Whip, pulls everyone out, and and they get to out of the building to safety. The Gulpin, meanwhile, finish eating and move on to the next building, like a group of jiggly locusts. Officer Jenny admonishes everyone for being in town, tells them all to get out of here, skedaddle. The purple-haired shopkeeper is like, yes, sorry, I'm gone. But the kids are like, Jenny, please, we've been walking all day. We just barely managed to find a town to rest at. We can't go back on the road. We don't even know how far out of town is safe. And Jenny decides, okay, fine. She takes them to the Pokemon Center, which is also the Gulpin Defense Base of Operations. Yep, the nurse joy of this town doesn't just heal Pokemon, doesn't just keep all the trainer services running, she's also Oracle with a big old clock tower computer set up. She's the woman in the chair. Between her and Officer Jenny, I think this town is well prepared for emergencies. Or guerrilla warfare. Whatever the situation requires. Joy tells the kids about the Gulpin defense operation, helped out by a mysterious professor who introduces himself as Professor Jacuzzi. Great name, lovely accent, an expert on Gulpin and their development. 
He monitors the gulpin, and it seems the population of that particular species is on the rise. Every year about this time, the gulpin attack the town and eat everything in sight. He's been monitoring for 50 years, and this just keeps happening. Jacuzzi knows a lot about gulpin and knows they're going to the center of town. This year, he and Officer Jenny plan to put a stop to it. The center of town is where food stores are located. Emergency food stores. For times when the town is under siege by wild Pokemon, presumably. And, you know, supplying all the restaurants and grocery stores and the like. Either way, food supply is going to be rocked if the Gulpin get to that. But don't worry, Professor Jacuzzi has a plan. The Gulpin Immobilization Plan. It sounds ominous, more so when the group all shows up to the town center in a heavy-duty army truck and the professor shoots a rocket. But remember, Ash asked to help. He wouldn't still be on board with this if it were dangerous to the Gulpin, so... Still. <laughs> As it is, the immobilization plan involves shooting a rocket onto the bridge, which deploys harmlessly and reveals a specially Gulpin-designed Pokeblock. 108 ingredients proven to attract Gulpin, combined perfectly, concentrated, and with a little helicopter on top of this Gulpin bird feeder, Professor can lead the Gulpin out of town like dangling a carrot under a horse's nose. Surprisingly, it's all working. And then Team Rocket shows up and snatches the Pokeblock out of the air. Why? Well, it was rough sitting through the motto trying to figure that out. And honestly, it's still not clear now that they're done. They only give a half-hearted explanation, like they were flying by, saw something shiny, figured the twerps were involved, it must be worth taking, and so they did. Possibly they're just being their usual klepto-selves, or maybe they're always broke and looking for food, like maybe they really need that Pokeblock. Who am I to deny them? But the Gulpin are hungry, and Team Rocket has their food. They're ready to bite the mechanical hand that's not feeding them. The Gulpin blasts the balloon with mud until it crashes, and then use psychic attacks on Team Rocket once they're down on the ground, and just that swarm of Pokémon has some skills. Nothing gets between them and their food. The psychic attack in question is unique. It's a combination of a move called Stockpile, where the Gulpins store energy, followed by an attack called Spit Up, where they expel all that energy. It's a lot of power. Team Rocket is sent blasting off. Brock rescues the Pokeblock. Which was a mistake, because that's all the Gulpin want, and they rush him. Officer Jenny throws out her Pokemon, uh, a Tangela, Meganium, and Parasect, who bravely tried to hold the Gulpin back. But as Max points out, the Gulpin are poison types. All those grass attacks won't be all that effective. At which point Ash sends out Trico like, Allow me, the type of disadvantage is my specialty. <laughs> Trico dodges the mud attacks and then helps hold the Gulpin back with Bullet Seed. While Dr. Jacuzzi activates the jetpack on the rocket. Science isn't my forte. Or this shows, I'm doing my best, guys, to describe the nonsense that we're currently seeing. But the Pokeblock rocket shoots off down the canal, and all the Gulpin follow it like lemmings. The Gulpin are distracted from the center of town for now, but Officer Jenny doubts the problem is solved, so she leads everyone back to the defense center in order to regroup. So we'll leave them and check in with Team Rocket. 
And you know, I think my earlier hypothesis of why they're even involved might be right. They're starving and seeing the rocket of Pokeblock that the Gulpin have stripped clean by now, they're sure that if they follow the Gulpin, they'll find something worth eating it. I mean, I don't have enough courage to get in between those Gulpin and their food, but desperate times call for desperate measures. So that's Team Rocket's plan for the day. By now it's dark, and the horde of glomping Gulpin have actually eaten through a power cable, it seems, and the city's in blackout. There is emergency backup power, so the Pokemon Center is going to be fine, and so will um, Joy's defense systems. After all, sick Pokemon don't wait for emergencies, so we know Nurse Joy has planned for this. Yay. But their radar system indicates that the Gulpin are on their way to the central food storage area again. Nurse Joy closes some gates to reroute the Gulpin, get them out of the sewers and into the open street, and then Officer Jenny goes to battle the Pokemon and keep them at bay. Ash and Pikachu and company go with her. They're ready to help. So, on the mean city streets, they prepare to do battle. Officer Jenny really has a good team with Tangela, Meganium, and Parasect. They all work well together. And Pikachu is no slouch either. He can attack a ton of Gulpin with Thundershock, but there's just so many. They keep coming, no matter how many of their brethren get mowed down. Despite the tension in the episode, like... The sound the Gulpin make, it's just so cute and satisfying, I love it. Even though they are technically the bad guys causing destruction, but... It seems there's no way to stop the Horde. The kids and Officer Jenny are going to be run over and probably devoured. But then Dr. Jacuzzi shows up, having got all the time he needed for his plan B. Which is, I will try to explain this, a big truck with satellite panels on the side that hit the Gulpin with a reddishy sort of light, not unlike the Pokemon capture technology. It makes a bunch of them just vanish and effectively be captured in the truck, which can then rematerialize them and use a cannon to yeet them across the city. On the one hand, I feel this is neither a permanent nor the best solution. On the other hand, I have to appreciate the mad sort of genius in appropriating Pokeball capture technology in this way, and I'm kind of curious as to where we go from here. Like, goodness gracious, don't let Giovanni know that you've got a truck that you can just drive through the Safari Zone and capture all the Pokemon. Dr. Jacuzzi describes his invention as a particle beam, which, again, is basically uh, one of the theories for how Pokeballs work, but he implies he's harnessing the energy of Gulpin's stockpile and spit-up attacks to sort of grab and release them. This is all working brilliantly, until the truck, like, just stalls. The whole system goes down. Everything goes dark. No one's sure why, but Professor Jacuzzi doesn't seem too surprised by it, says it was bound to happen with such unstable things like subatomic particles. Okay, buddy. Thanks for trying. There's still one gulpin left. They, uh, t okay. I, I shouldn't be so mean to him. He did get rid of the majority of the problem, but there is still one gulpin left. But no fear, Ash and Trico can battle that one while Professor Jacuzzi turns his truck off and on again. He does get the system back up and running, and then tries to absorb that last gulpin. <sighs> the particle beam thing fires, 
and it gets Gulpin, but it also gets Trico. And we find out what happens when you try to capture two Pokemon in the same Pokeball. At least for Professor Jacuzzi's machine, Trico causes the whole system to blow. Which hardly matters. Ash saw Trico disappear in a beam of light that wasn't from his Pokeball, and he's now pounding on the truck like, Professor! <laughs> Give me back Trico! The truck explodes, and everyone is left among the charred wreckage, not sure what to make about what just happened. Before Ash can flip out that, goodness gracious, is Trico dead? Two glowy balls of red light rise from the smoldering remains of the car. They rise and rise and keep rising. It's Trico and Gulpin, thank goodness. But those little balls of red light keep growing and growing so that when they finally take shape as Trico and Gulpin back in the real world again, they are the skies of skyscrapers. Gulpin's sound effect has also changed. It's delightful. Professor Jacuzzi spouts some fake science for why he thinks this happened, but I get the feeling he's not actually sure. I mean, this is all fringe science and a new frontier, so, you know, there's a lot of unexpected things happening today. Whatever. Gulpin is now capable of eating not just the food stores, but the entire city, and every move of its rotund body does damage to buildings, so, uh... So we got a crisis, and Ash decides he's just gotta roll with this, and he gets to work. He grabs a megaphone and runs out there to start giving Trico directions on taking down Gulpin through uh, a megaphone. It's just barely phased now that his Pokemon is bigger than the Chrysler building. To be fair, if Trico's not hurt and not upset with its new body, this can only be an advantage at the Pokemon League. I'd like to see Norman's Pokemon deal with that. Anyway, Officer Jenny and Nurse Joy uh, evacuate some citizens, which surprises me because I thought we already cleared out everybody. Like, she was really surprised and upset that people were still there when Ash and company were at that one shop. But apparently there are still people here. Nurse Joy and Officer Jenny uh, try to get them all out while we have ourselves a kaiju battle. <laughs> It's chaos. It's beautiful. Professor Jacuzzi stares off at the scene like, what hath science wrought? Ash and Pikachu survive a few falling rocks and then get the brainwave to have Trico lead Gulpin to the lake. Trico does one better. It grabs Gulpin and chucks it into the lake. Gulpin tries to retaliate with Spit Up, sort of a last revenge as it's flying, but it just ends up hitting Team Rocket, which, you know, served them right. The two Pokemon keep fighting in the water, emergency sirens blaring. I, I feel like we're parroting an old, like, Ghidra versus Mothra or something. I'm sure it's an homage to one of those films. Gulpin nearly nails Trico with another stockpile spit-up combo, but Trico does manage to dodge. And then suddenly, it shrinks back to its normal size, looking exhausted. Ash runs over like, bro, take your rest. This was a wild day. Good job. <laughs> it seems that all the expenditure of energy might have been what caused Trigo to revert to normal. I thought that might be the solution to this Gulpin, but May comes up with something that is just as viable and has been staring us in the face. Why don't we just capture it in a Pokeball? Like, shouldn't matter what size the Pokemon is. When we reduce them to light particles or whatever Pokemon technology is, like I literally just saw you catch them in a jerry-rigged truck, let's, let's Pokemon trainer this situation. 
Professor Jacuzzi throws a Pokeball, but Gulpin breaks out right away and the professor gives up. Like, he's just like, well, that's that. I totally expected somebody to be like, dude, you gotta weaken it first, remember? But Nurse Joy comes up and she hands the professor a heavy ball to even the odds of catching it. If ever there was a time to use this, this this is a heavy ball situation. I might ask the question of why Nurse Joy didn't just throw the Pokeball herself and save some time. Also, Nurse Joy is way more competent than this professor. But on the other hand, if she caught that Pokemon, she's responsible for it. I don't think Nurse Joy wants to be responsible for this gulp and let Professor Jacuzzi have it. So, he throws the Pokeball again. And this time, the Pokeball wiggles Way more than three times, wow, but it finally clicks shut and we've got a rogue gulpin monster off the streets. Celebrations all around. And now what? Honestly, no one's sure. Professor Jacuzzi is committed to returning gulpin to its normal size and continuing to study gulpin and their continued coexistence in this town. I wish them luck. Uh, but this professor doesn't exactly radiate, uh, assurance Like, as a character, I love him. His deadpan delivery, like, he rolls with every scenario, like, just, that's that, I guess. But the amount of times he's been like, this is what will happen, and oh, yeah, nope, that's not what happened. Like, I confess, I'm a little worried. But the kids have done all they can for this poor town, and I think Officer Jenny and Nurse Joy are just glad to get back to the sorts of crises they're used to handling. They may not have solved the issue with the gulpin today, but those two ladies are more than capable of handling this town and anything going wrong within its borders. So, as for the kids, it's back on the open road. And the episode ends. And it's like, this is kind of a weird situation in that it's one of the few times the kids didn't help solve the problem or or we didn't see a resolution to the problem of... The Gulpin are eating everything. The Gulpin, you know, every year they come and eat the town out of food and we have to go into lockdown. Like, you know, normally the episode would be everyone trying to communicate with the Gulpin and figure out, you know, what the deal is. Like, is there an alternative food source that, you know, we could lead them to? Or is there a way for the Gulpin to, like, pay back the town by irrigating a field or something that would make the town happy to feed them once a year. Like, you know, something like that. And honestly, this episode ends with, you know, all the gulpin got yeeted across the city, but they'll be back next year, if not, you know, within the next hour. Like, truly nothing got solved. If anything, um, Professor Jacuzzi having caught this one gulpin, um, this one massive gulpin, um, implies that there might be uh, more research able to be done on this particular species, and, and maybe a solution will be found in the future. It's just a little weird, I guess, that the episode resolved without actually getting resolved. All in all, it was filler. It was fun uh, seeing Trico and Gulpin battle it out. I find the Gulpin uh, delightful in ways that I wasn't expecting, like... It's not like this is exactly a new Pokemon. Like, we've we've had Gulpin for forever, but somehow I didn't realize how, how cute and jiggly and jello-like and fun they were. 
But as fun as this episode was, we all know we're just waiting for Pedalberg Jim and the rematch and family drama and all the fun things that are going to happen around that. So uh, stay tuned for next time as we move ever closer to Ash's dream of becoming a Pokemon master, entering the Hoenn League and getting all the eight gym battles and getting eight gym badges for entry into that. There will be good episodes, there will be bad episodes, and they beautifully chaotic in between. Until next time, this has been Peacappy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs>